Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, hi. Hello. Hi. Ah. <gasps> He's a spook. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. <gasps> Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. Alive. You're Bonnie's toy. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? What? Oh, yeah. <sighs> Bo? Forky, come on. Bo? Bo? Hi there. My name is Gabby Gabby. We can't stay. <laughs> yes, you can. Boys. <laughs> what are you behind you? What are you doing here? No time to explain. Come with me. We need to get back to our kid. Aw, Sheriff Woody, always coming to the rescue. Bonnie needs Forky. Woody, who needs a kid's room when you can have all of this? Wow. Woody, aren't we going to Bonnie? We have to find them. What do we do, Buzz? What would Woody do? Jump out of a moving vehicle. Let's go. Hey, you gotta go, you gotta go. If you should ever leave handled this lost toy life better than I could. Open your eyes, Woody. There's plenty of kids out there. Sometimes change can be good. You can't teach this old toy new tricks. You'd be surprised. Bonnie? We're going home, Forky. God only knows Bonnie, I'm coming! On my way, Woody! Kids lose their toys every day. I was made to help a child. I don't remember it being this hard. Woody, somebody's whispering in your ear. Everything's gonna be okay. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Good evening, one and all, and welcome to another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live on all kinds of different platforms. We are on Facebook Live for the first time in like 144 episodes, and we're also on Mixler as well, uh, here on channel 1138.com. My name is Zach, and I'm very excited to be with you all for this special nostalgic episode of the IPC. 
And it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun, I can tell you that. Uh, we actually switched a couple of things around in our schedule to make room for this episode, so that should tell you just how special it is. But before we get into all that, I'm going to bring in my very special second member of this team, my good friend, my buddy, my co-host, Mr. Benjamin Hart. Yeah, yeah, me and Zach, we've been doing this for a long time. You could almost say, you've got a friend in me. You could almost say that. Oh, I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. I think yeah. everybody sees what I'm doing here. That, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty obvious. I mean, considering the gifts we've been posting and considering the promo image that is uh, part of the still while we're broadcasting live on Facebook, I, I think everybody has a general idea of what it is that we're talking about. Yep, of course, of course. So yeah, and welcome everyone listening on Facebook. Some of you may be listening for the first time. Maybe you didn't realize, hey, that page I follow has a podcast, and what? this is it. This is it, guys. So welcome. Hopefully you can catch us on uh, on the, the rest of the show on for the rest of the night, because we'll be broadcasting, of course, for the next couple hours. And then, uh, of course, we repost uh, to Google Play and all that good stuff. But we got a good episode lined up for you guys tonight. Of course, talking about Toy Story 4. Yeah, man. I mean, this is actually kind of rare for us because we don't usually end up seeing a movie, both of us, uh, within like the first week of its release. It usually takes about a week to two weeks, sometimes even longer, depending on the movie and what our schedule looks like. But we just both happened to be able to catch this movie at the same week, and here we are talking about it. We we were originally going to be doing a Rogue One solo back-to-back kind of thing because mm-hmm. we kind of got our schedule inverted to begin with. I think technically we were supposed to do a, Rogue, uh, a, a solo discussion, and then we went Rogue and discussed Rogue <laughs> One, <laughs> which is fine because Rogue One's a great movie too. Um, but we were going to be doing Toy Story 4, like, next week in order to give people a little bit more time to see it, but, uh, hey, we're here, and you're here, so let's, let's talk about it, because there's definitely a lot in this movie to talk about, I'll put it that way. Oh, yeah, I, I, I saw it just a few days ago, and I'm like, yeah, we need to talk about this right now because i got all the feels and all the everything uh in my system and i gotta get it out there and i think anybody that went and saw it um over the course of the weekend feels the same way because it's it's a it's a heavy movie and uh there's a lot and there's a lot to talk about i can't wait to do it all tonight um if you have not seen it we'll 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 save the spoilers for a little bit later um we got a little bit of news to get into we'll give you a spoiler free review and you can come back later to listen to the rest of the show after you've actually seen the movie if you have not already but uh yeah it's gonna be a good one well the cool thing for me is this was the first movie that i actually watched with my new subscription to amc a list I've been talking about this in different group chats and even on this podcast a couple of times about considering biting the bullet. It's like AMC's response to MoviePass that basically put MoviePass out of business. Um, You can see three movies a week in any type you want. It includes IMAX, it includes 3D, it includes, you know, just standard 2D, late night showings, midnight premieres, whatever. It's all the same for a flat rate of about 21 bucks a month. Nice. And I recently took on a new job where I can afford something like that. So it turned out pretty good. 
And I went to go see Child's Play on Tuesday, but the theater lost power before we could see the movie. What? Yeah. We had rolling blackouts because of thunderstorms that had hit the day before, and the theater lost power in the rolling blackouts. And when we walked in, it was complete darkness. Nobody was at the concession stands or anything. And we finally got the power back on, finally got into our seats. We were waiting for like a half hour, 45 minutes, and they couldn't get the damn projector to work. So they just gave everybody free passes to another movie, but I'm like, what if I'm on A-list? And they're like, oh, sorry. So technically, my first movie that I got to see on A-list was Toy Story 4. I I saw it just yesterday, so it's very fresh in my mind. Uh, And and I'm really excited to to, to get a chance to talk about it with you guys. Uh, But like you said, we've got a little bit of news to talk about. Something else that I saw just yesterday was a video that was posted by an ageless wonder. I, I, I told our friend Joey Mays about this. I was like, this man is completely ageless. How in the hell does he do it? But uh, Paul Rudd posted a very, very interesting video, and uh, it's probably like the, the top news element for us to actually bring up here on the show. It's pretty cool. Yes, yes. So this was kind of this kind of surprised me. Really, truly, to hear this, and it's just a you know Facebook video or whatever kind of this vertical video thing, Paul Rudd, and he's standing in front of a familiar firehouse, or should I say, the Ghostbusters firehouse? Yes, sir. And just casually talking about how you know somebody got a got a call, and uh, yeah, who you gonna call because? He's going to be in the next Ghostbusters. It's, it's, it's a shame this didn't come out last week because Joey, our good buddy, who was on last week with us, massive Ghostbusters fan. Massive. And, and I know he's excited about this because who isn't? But, like, I'm someone who has, don't hate me, I've never seen any of the Ghostbusters movies. Scandalous. And so, and yes, eventually we want to actually talk about all the Ghostbusters movies on the show. We we'll have to get Joey back for that too. Um, but uh, apparently, Paul Rudd has signed on for the twenty twenty five, which I don't think we've actually covered the fact that there's going to be another Ghostbusters movie, and this is not going to be a reboot like the all female version that we got a few years ago. This is going to be a sequel? a sequel, like a true Ghostbusters three. I get, I guess, I think. That's that's pretty much what I've heard, um, but I, I th- there's there's still quite a few details that I am not very certain about, so um, I don't I don't want to say anything and then end up being wrong about it. But I'm excited to see that this is kind of continuing. Basically, these last couple of years have been opportunities to continue people's childhood slash teenage years in a new way. And that's kind of what I'm getting the vibe from Ghostbusters being is uh, is that there's there's an opportunity to continue this franchise and they're taking advantage of it. So yeah, I'm not I'm not complaining, but I'm also gonna you know withhold uh, judgment until we find out some more casting information because I think there's some other people that you know the fans have been clamoring. You know, are they gonna return? Don't know if that's gonna happen. Highly doubt it. But you know. It's always okay to hold your breath until it's officially announced, you know? Right, right. But I, I feel like Paul Rudd is 
I mean, my limited knowledge of Ghostbusters, like, it feels like a really solid choice for this. Oh, movie. absolutely. He feels, feels like he would fit. He's gonna fit right in. Like, you can already see him in that. You know, in the in the Ghostbusters gear and, and doing all that stuff. Like, so I'm very intrigued. And Paul Rudd, I think, just I mean, think about it, like Ghostbusters the original. Like, you're you're dealing with a comedy that's had literally some of the biggest names in comedy and acting. Um, Back when that was first released, you know Dan Aykroyd, uh, you know all those guys, and Bill Murray. So now bringing it back around, and Paul Rudd being another, probably one of the most prolific, you know, kind of comedic actors, and even dramatic from to a certain extent, um, <laughs> with you know Endgame and all that kind of stuff. I mean, let's face it, he's he's killing it in the MCU. Like he's one of my favorite characters in the MCU. So like, I love that he's jumping to another franchise and. Yeah, I'm 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 interested in this movie. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to binge all the other ones to get ready for this. Well, that sounds like something we might have to include in our upcoming schedule here on this podcast. Maybe just kind of putting that out there. Who knows? You might end up hearing something <laughs> about that. I mean, uh, it's it's not outside the realm of possibility. We were literally just discussing it before we went live. So don't count out anything with us podcasters here on the IPC. Anything can happen. But yeah, yeah Paul, Paul Rudd, the only other thing we need to do is get him into a comedic relief role in Star Wars and he's got the trifecta. You know, I feel like yeah. you get I feel like you get movie god status when you find your way into three super uh popular franchises. And he's in Marvel, obviously, and he's in Friends. I mean, I guess that counts to a certain degree. And to have him in Ghostbusters is also really awesome. And so uh, if we could get him into some kind of comedic role in Star Wars, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying, like, C-3PO or Jar Jar Binks level, but, you know, somebody that provides some dry humor to the mix would be pretty cool to see. So uh, fingers crossed for that. I, I know that it's fan casting and I know that people don't really always care for that, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Cause it's my show. Damn it. So yeah, I'm going to have fun with it. I would like to see him in star Wars. I'm just going to put that out there. I, I'm, I've been saying this for a while that I think given that even though, yeah, star Wars is taking a bit of a break in the next three years, but they'll be back with the game Thrones guys. Like I think, think about the fact that, I don't think there's going to be any, like, classic characters. Like, the sequel trilogy has been largely, like, there's been a lot of, like, classic actors coming back. I don't think we're going to have that in the future. I think what we're going to get in the future is a lot of new blood in this and the chance for a lot of different actors. And remember remember when we used to talk about Benedict Cumberbatch a lot? <laughs> remember Cumberwatch? Yep, yep. Remember I remember Cumberwatch. We all thought he was going to be in Star Wars. It still hasn't happened, but I am still of the opinion that, yeah, Benadryl Cumberdink is uh he's gonna be in Star Wars one day. I, I'm I would be willing to bet on it. I would say the same for Paul Rudd, honestly. It's just I think Star Wars is so versatile that you really could like I know some people are like, oh he's a comedic actor, whatever like, yeah, we never had comedy in Star Wars. Come on. Like he I think he'd fit right in. And I think also I've he's never he, laughed once in the history of my watching Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. K two SO does absolutely nothing for me as I definitively proved in last week's discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. So Paul Rogers doesn't fit at all. Dropping the freaking mic on that one. Also kind of teasing you to go to iTunes and Google Play and listen to our Rogue One discussion that we discussed last week. It was really fun. 
And any if anybody thinks that Paul Rudd can't do dr- drama, like th- that's the one point, one of the points in Endgame that made me cry is his scene, like at the beginning when he's searching for his daughter, like yeah. that br- that broke me, like yeah. that was bad. So he can he's got the acting chops. He can he's very versatile as an actor. So I'd love to see him in Star Wars. I think he's gonna bring do brilliant in Ghostbusters. Well, here's hoping. I guess we'll find out in a few months. Hopefully, something comes out that that uh reveals a little bit more about you know what his role is going to be and how prominent he's going to be but considering he's the first casting announcement for this movie that's pretty cool and i'm pretty excited absolutely Absolutely. there has been some rumors speaking of marvel about the uh black widow film but it's all speculation right now and i really don't know if i want to dignify those rumors and speculation until something's a little more solid but the stuff that i've heard I've been really intrigued by. I'll just put that out there. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff like I, I keep forgetting like who's going to be actually in that movie. Like, yeah, I there's, believe... there's rumors floating around that Jeremy Renner's going to be in it now. That's the new thing. But like, you've also got David Harbour is going to be in it. Like, yeah. he's coming in the MCU. Yeah, like... he needs he needs a refresher after Hellboy. I'll put that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, so that that movie could be. That's a movie that I'm like, I don't really know why this movie's being made like it, it especially feels weird after Endgame and after we lost Black Widow but at the same time it's getting a really good cast and David Harbour said that it's had some really like big awesome things to say about it I think it was an interview that came out today or yesterday so um, I'm, I'm intrigued I'm very intrigued especially hearing some of the stuff that you're alluding to yes Yes, I, I'm, I'm not going to allude to anything else. If you want to check out comicbook.com for yourself and look at some of those rumors, more power to you. But uh, I'm, I'm really curious how much of that is actually going to play out because if it does, it's setting up for post-Thanos life really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also hearing that Spider-Man Far From Home is going to set up some stuff because people don't realize that that's not the start of a a new era. That's the the end of it. This is going to carry on the story yeah. of Endgame and kind of continue on on and, and kind of set up the future. Um, so that's going to be kind of the end of Phase 3, I think, is what they're in. That's going to be the true end of Phase 3. So Three or four? Yeah, I think it's just three. I think the beginning of Phase 4 is coming up. I don't know where okay. Black Widow fits in, fits in with that. But, yeah. Uh, there's just so, so much happening. <laughs> Too much. Just one franchise is so much happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's some new stuff happening in the Pixar universe, too. Did you see the trailer for Onward play before Toy Story 4? Yes, I saw I saw a bunch of ridiculous trailers, but yes, I that was one Onward was one of the better ones. Let's put it that Onward way. Onward was one of the better ones, and I happened to see Toy Story 4 in 3D. So I got to see the trailer for The Lion King in 3D as well. Ooh, see, I didn't get that. I didn't get you that. You didn't get a Lion King trailer? No, no, I got Trolls 3D or whatever the hell. Okay, it's called. yeah, I got I got that one also. That one was ugh, Justin Timberlake you, and what? It's like a direct. It's like a ripoff of of Infinity War. Like, oh, we're gonna collect all these guitar strings. They're different colored. <laughs> <laughs> save the universe. Different color guitar strings to save the music verse. Yes, that's <laughs> never seen that before. Hmm. I wonder if there's a way we can dumb down superheroes for kids. Hey, let's have trolls collect music strings. That'll work. Oh my god. Yeah, I was just face palming through a lot of that. 
Although yeah. the door, the door one, you have to admit, <laughs> the I have Lost to admit. City of Gold. Oh my gosh! That and like, why is this movie being happening? And then I watch why the trailer. I'm like, exist? and then she looks at the camera and she's like, "Hey, do you know such and such?" And and uh, her dad is like, "She'll grow out of that, right? Like, what, she, what, you are, you, what are you talking delicioso? to?" <laughs> and it's so the guy. Perfect. It's the guy from Ant Man, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Michael Pena. Yeah. yeah, it's the guy from Ant Man. I was dying, dude. I was like, oh my gosh, this might actually be funny. It's and just, since- I, it's perfect because, like, if you're gonna do a Dora movie, like, you have to go that direction. You have to go like, yeah, it's a wink and a nod. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, so I mean, considering how ridiculous that show was, and how much independence her parents gave her to walk around in the woods like that all the time. Like it makes sense to give her an adventure story now where she's in the jungle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Problem is it's not going to cast a very good light on us homeschoolers because she's (laughs) joining high school for the first time. And she's been getting all of her education from the school of the woods, AKA the jungle. And I'm like, oh, great. So there's going to be a homeschoolers joke in here somewhere, no doubt. But uh, Probably so. Probably I'm far, so. I, I guess I'm far enough removed from that that I can take a couple of burns here and there. I mean, I turned out okay, you know? I graduated college with a really high GPA, so something worked out okay in my homeschool <laughs> life, you know? So I'm not... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too self-conscious about it. The only time it really bothers me is like when I a couple of times... <laughs> I've been in internet debates, or, or more specifically, Facebook debates, yep. on just in random comment sections. Have you ever had someone like come at you and go, "Well, look at you, home stupid homeschooler!" Like they went to your profile just to look up like how what your education was to rub it in your face. It's just it's so asinine, and it's it's, so it's, it's becoming even worse with the uh, political debates that are happening right now, oh, like. The those those people are coming out of the woodworks now, and it's just, oh my gosh. Yeah, um, I I I made the mistake of uh posting something political the other day, and long story short, uh, one family member blocked me. Um, so. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> so I'm not gonna tell that story. I'm just gonna say, um, stay away from that stuff. Yeah, I. This is this is the time of year when I duck down and really focus on movies because if I talk about anything else, I'm gonna get in trouble. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you there. Oh God. So speaking of movies, let's just talk about the movie that we've got on tap for tonight. I am. I'm ready. I'm. I th- well, I think I'm ready. Honestly, I'm not quite sure, but I'm gonna try to power through this. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. Uh, It'll make you cry, or at least it'll make some people cry. Apparently, not at least one person had a had the had no soul and well, had, couldn't didn't make you cry. Well, okay, okay. I I said I did not cry once during Toy Story Four. Oh, I said I did not cry once. I didn't say anything about not crying twice. Okay, I, I am dumb because it took me a while. It, 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 I just now got what you're saying. I just now. I'm an idiot. That's a classic case of gotcha journalism. I'm making people tune into this episode because I'm saying I didn't cry once. But guess what, folks? I actually cried twice. 
So there. Hey, same here. Same here. Oh, man. And we're going to get to talk about all those and everything else that this movie entails. But spoiler alert, I am going to have some critiques for this film. I, is- I'll be, I think I'll be there with you. I, I, I definitely I, – I think it's not – and if we're going to go ahead and get into kind of the spoiler-free kind of discussion yeah. here. Like, yeah. I, I think this movie – this movie does enough to – because that's – going into this, that was the big thing. It's like what what – why is this movie a thing? Why does this movie exist? Right. Like, is it really? <laughs> Why is this needed? a thing? Because I I watched like I watched Toy Story four, then I went back and watched Toy Story three because I really hadn't seen that movie till like in, in, in since it came out. Um, and Toy Story three is great. Toy Story three is magnificent. Like, I think it's probably my favorite out of all of them, maybe. Um, and it's a great ending, and it's a great, like, you know, sayonara, it's over, like, this is the end of the story, and then to come up with this one, like, it feels, it feels wrong at first to go, okay, you're continuing this, why are you doing this, and stuff like that. Just a little bit, yeah. But, 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 I will say, this movie does enough to legitimize its own existence, in the sense that... It literally takes a lot from Toy Story 3. It takes a lot of the story there. It's specifically with Bo Peep. That's not a spoiler. You know she's been in the trailer trailers. We know she's yeah, in Yeah, she's been in the trailers. That We knew that was going to happen. So, but in considering that you've seen Toy Story 3, you know she's not in it. She's mentioned. Well, they kind of extrapolate that, and there's like, a lot of storytelling. Yeah. There's a lot of storytelling that goes on around Toy Story 3 in this movie that goes back and go, oh, okay, this is what happened here, and this is why we end up. It's not only giving you th- what happened after Toy Story 3, but some backstory on Toy Story 3 and what happened between 2 and 3. So, and and just overall, yes, it's a, you know, as we mentioned, there's a big moment near the end that if you've been with these characters as long as we have, it's going to make you choke up. It's probably going to make you ugly cry like it did to me, all right? Um, to be warned, but and I think for, from that standpoint, I think it works. I think it does enough to continue the story, give us another chapter in these characters' lives, but also make it important enough to go, this is a natural progression. Of like, maybe it's not exactly what we wanted, but it's what the characters would have done. It's what a, It's a natural progression of what we've seen before. So I think... Overall, I, I I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's really well done just in the sense of continuing the story and being true to these characters and giving us another side to them, specifically Woody. Now, I'll, I'll say that I also think it's a spoiler to say that this is Woody's movie. The other characters don't get a lot of play. I, I don't even think Buzz gets a lot of play in this movie, and I'm kind of disappointed with that. That's probably my biggest gripe is the fact that I, I've i thought of Toy Story as more of an ensemble cast, kind of an ensemble type of story, oh, and yeah. this doesn't feel like that. This is more of a Woody-centric story. Woody, Forky, this is their story. And there's pluses to that and there's minuses to that, and I think that's what kind of bothers me about it is that you know, considering what happens, you know, this is Woody's story, and I would like to get more from the other characters, but that's just me. No, I'm I'm with you. That was that was one of my biggest critiques as well was 
just the way that the story was composed, it it was very Woody centric. And yes, everybody loves Woody. That's that's kind of known throughout existence. Like since 1994, Woody has been a thing. But so has Buzz. So has Mr. Potato Head. So has Bo Peep. You know, and certain characters do get their day, and certain other characters don't. And I think that's the part that I struggle with like I'm still wrestling with it right now like even as we're talking about it it's going around in my head going why didn't we have more time for this character why didn't we have more time for this character why did they do this you know and there's certain parts where you're like okay this this is this is really fun I'm enjoying this and then there's other moments where you're like why aren't we getting xyz why isn't this happening why isn't this happening and it's good to create conversation uh, obviously there there's a lot to digest in this film and so people are still talking about it you know people who saw it opening night are still talking about it and that's good it's just that the conversations that are being had aren't what i thought they would be if that makes sense yeah yeah uh, i think i see what you're coming from there and and i don't know i don't want to start with like the cons right off the bat because there are a lot of things that are brilliant about this movie there are a lot of really really brilliant things that this movie explores and that and that's what makes me so conflicted about what my planet score is going to be at the end of this discussion is like um okay well it does this really well don't know if it does this really well you know what 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 is what is going to be my overall ranking for this i might not decide until we actually end up talking about it that's it, this discussion is going to make or break how I feel about Toy Story 4. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I like the movie overall, but the more I sit with it and the more I think about what happens, again, without spoiling it, um, the more I'm kind of, I'm just made a little bit uncomfortable. Just a little bit. Just a little bit like, wow, they did that. Yeah, it's like characters. they went there. And so, I feel like, you know, like, I, I appreciate, and, and and that's the number one thing with, like, sequels, is, like, okay, and you could, like, now it seems like Toy Story 2 is, like, the biggest, like, perpetrator of this thing. And you've talked about this before, how Toy Story 2 is kind of a a redux of Toy Story 1. Yeah. It's kind of like a toy gets lost, they found whatever, it's kind of a, a, a redo of a thing. I love Toy Story 2, but it has for lack of a better term, sequel-itis in a way. That it's more yeah. of a, this is just another adventure. Yep. And yeah, there's some character growth, there's some good stuff between Buzz and Woody, but for the most part, it's not about this, something big happening or whatever. It's about just another adventure with these characters, whereas Toy Story 3 brings in, okay, well, this is something big that's happening. Andy's going to college. Yeah. What, is this, what does this happen? How does this happen? How do we make this transition? How do we continue to live our lives? And... <clears throat> So coming into this one, it's kind of asking some similar questions. It's asking kind of – and it delves more into the – and as throughout this movie, it kind of brought it just to me subconsciously. I was like the psychology and the, the way of life these toys live in regards to like how they thing and like a the theme of like abandoned toys and toys not getting loved enough has kind of always been there in these movies. Yeah. This movie especially especially like drives home that and like the the main kind of pro- antagonist for lack of a better term 
um, Gabby Gabby, who's played who's played by um, our 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 friend uh, what's her, uh, Christina Hendricks. Remember her? Oh, oh, Saffron. Yeah. No, I did not make that connection at all. But now that you're saying it, it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. So she's back playing a, let's just say, shady character. <laughs> shady and rather manipulative at times. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing. Of course, you know, she's the doll, and she has the 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 ventriloquist dummies as uh, her her henchmen, <laughs> and they are creepy AF. Oh yeah. Um, so that whole thing, and her whole arc is like, you know, not being loved enough, being kind of in the thing, and kind of more of a kind of a callback to like Stinky Pete, you know, and his whole deal with like, I got left on a shelf for, you know, a lifetime and, you know, didn't get loved or, or you know, even lots so with, uh, you know, him oh, being replaced. Yeah. Boy, that broke my heart. That. Oh, man. He's the most, I think me and uh, Steven Schinder had a conversation today about how like Lotso is probably the best villain from all these movies because that, that, is just heartbreaking. His his whole thing like doesn't necessarily make what he does right and turning into the villain that he does, but like you feel for him. Like when you see the that she's got another bear <laughs> just like him, she's replaced him. That is freaking heartbreaking. Yeah, man. It it gets to me just about every time. And uh you know, it's hard for me to pick like a best villain because they all have like some really great moments. They all they all have certain things that just really really mess with you in different ways. And I think with with Gabby Gabby, it's one of those instances where you're like, "Wow. Uh this this is how you turned out because of this." You know, this is this is the way that you decided to uh, to handle things, this is the way you decided to take things in stride, and I I don't know how I feel about it, and that and that's an interesting problem to have with certain characters. Like she starts out really just creepy, and then she turns out like kind of manipulative, and then she just goes flat out crazy. And then turns back around and actually turns out okay. And I'm just like, wow, this is probably the first time we've had a a like a, a satisfactory arc for an antagonistic character. I don't know if that's a good way to put it, but her story kind of comes full circle in a really creative way, a way that I really wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way. For everyone listening, if you haven't seen the movie, you may want to check out now because I think we're going to start getting into some spoilers. That's a light one with kind of her character arc, and because I want to say that like that was her whole thing. Like she, I mean, she like freaking rips open Woody, <laughs> like pulls yeah. his voice box out. Like there was one moment, like wow, they're doing that. Like, like that's pretty that intense. Went dark. And then, you know, you have the moment where, she, you know, he, he goes back in and he agrees to let her have his voice box, which I, was surprised me. I always I was kind of expecting a twist there, but it didn't happen. And that was the twist. And that it's funny. That was the first time I cried was when they find the little girl in the carnival that's lost and she decides that she wants to go with her. That scene 
Yep. I don't know why it just hit me in the feels. Yep. That was actually one of mine as well. Mm-hmm. Like that hug and that knowing look that she gives to all the toys that are lurking in the shadows. Like, not only do all of those guys kind of come together to help her, but they succeed in helping her. You know? They, they've kind right. of been sneaking around and hiding from her, like trying to save their friends and whatever, instead of befriending her. And, like, once they do that, they actually help her find a home. And, like our friend Steven says in the chat here on channel1138.com, two lost souls finding each other. It's so true. Because the little girl was lost and Gabby Gabby was lost, and they both found each other. And they both ended up with happy character arcs. You don't get that with Sid the Kid. You don't get that with Lotso Huggin' Bear. You know, he ends up on the front of a garbage truck. Most likely Sid's garbage truck. Uh, if you've seen some of the spoilers there online, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. talking about. Yeah. But, you know, characters like that, even the prospector, ends up with a really artistic Barbie doll and, and a little girl who likes to do a lot of drawing and face painting and stuff. Like, it's his nightmare. And so, you know, nobody else really gets a full circle character arc where you're like, oh, I don't know what to think about you. Oh, I don't like you. Oh, I feel sorry for you. And then, oh, I'm really happy for you. It was a completely unexpected series of events that I was actually really happy with. I liked that we finally got an antagonist that had a happy story at the end instead of a sad one that's not done in a whole lot of stories these days usually the bad guy is just vanquished just defeated but gabby gabby found a home that was pretty cool yeah and you if you think back all the way to sid through to the prospector and lotso like all three of them like are just evil pretty much you know, and Lotso is kind of the most developed, like, you understand where he's coming from. But still, like, you have their endings is them kind of being punished for what they've done. Like, yeah. kind of straight up. And they, that's a that's a, a good lesson, especially in a kid's movie. Like, you know, yeah, the villain should kind of pay for what he did. Like, that's, that's, that's good kind of messaging in the sense, like, you do bad things, bad things happen to you. Like, that's the whole thing. What goes around comes around. But I, I th- I'm glad that she was kind of toned down in the sense that... She really wasn't evil. She just was like, hey, I want your voice box. Could you please give it to me? I'm going to kind of take it out of you. Like, And then comes back around, and Woody just lets her. And, I, like, I remember in Toy Story 3, like, Lotso is, like, with them when they go to the garbage, and they're helping him survive, and then he goes to press the button, and he just lets them go. And, like, just, he's just evil for the sake of being evil. Like, it's not yeah. the same for her. It's yeah. It's more or less, like, this nice really nice moment that she gets to have her happy ending and everybody gets a happy ending. And it's just like, okay, like, you know, you don't need to have like someone getting tortured at the end. You can still come up with, uh, you know, someone just being, you know, right where they need to be. Well, now I will say that early on, it seemed like she was more willing to sacrifice somebody else for the sake of, you know, her achieving her goals. For for a long time, she seemed like she was kind of holding our friend Forky hostage and was being very manipulative of a new toy. Like, she knew that he was new, 
and was like trying to take advantage of him, which is interesting. I really wasn't expecting to talk about Gabby Gabby first. I was actually thinking we'd end up talking about Forky first, considering <laughs> he's like the new toy on the block. He's he's like the the new thing that Bonnie's really into. I really thought we'd end up talking about him more, and maybe we can talk about you know how his relationship ties into hers because he's only been around for two days, and it seems like she knows that, and she's taking advantage of that. Because, you know, her, she, and, she and Woody discuss about how their voice boxes were likely, like, from the 50s or something. So they've got, they've got a little bit of tenure on them. And then you've got Forky, who's two days old. You know, there's going to be a little bit of discrepancy there. And Gabby Gabby kind of takes advantage, for the most part, uh, teaching him hide-and-seek, teaching him how to tell stories. And then she takes those stories and whips them back around on Woody to kind of manipulate him to a certain degree. So I, I do think there is still some deceit to her, but I think that kind of drops away when she actually gets to experience the love of a child. Right, and it's not like she's not, doesn't, like, yeah, she kind of sort of kidnaps um, Forky, holds him hostage, and does try to forcibly take Woody's voice box. But, like, she doesn't do anything, like, overtly, like, evil. You know, she's not like this mustache-twirling villain. She's more of like, I'm just kind of desperate and I'm willing to do whatever it takes and maybe make some bad choices. I think that's a different thing with, you know, say, Sid. (laughs) Sid, who just seems to be just evil. Sid has no story, dude. We just learn about him blowing up a combat Carl and then he's literally just a sadistic, you know, crazed person until the toys scare the living daylights out of him. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I can't just, help but wonder... He's just a caricature of every, like, terrible kid ever. Just about. But I can't help but wonder if they had decided back in 1994 to do a Lotso type of flashback, what kind of trauma would we have seen Sid experience to get him to where he is? Just it's putting funny, that, they just putting they that out there. They could have almost tied that in, because you could think, like... Oh, yeah. I don't know, like, if you if you wanted a toy to, like, hate humans or whatever, or, like, you could have him experience, like, what, like, Sid put them through. Like, pretty messed up. It's possible. I mean, we're, we're kind of dwelling on the past a little too much, I feel like. Just, just <laughs> a little just bit. A, but it, 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 okay, so let's, you want to you wanna talk about the big thing really quick? The, the big, big thing? Which big wanna... big thing? There's a lot of well, big big things kinda... that happen in this well, movie, dude. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna allude to it really quick, and we, we can kind of let this conversation flow from there. But I think well, the reason we kind of keep going back to, you know, the, the beginning is is because this is a this is an ending for these characters for yeah. for for Woody and for Buzz, and I, like the biggest the, the biggest time that I. Um, was like, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry, oh, I'm crying, was that hug between Woody and Buzz, no realizing very quickly of what it meant. And that's what this whole movie really is kind of setting up. It's it's there from the beginning. It's there that, I, I like the setting up, like just down to the fact that like, Bonnie really never acknowledges Woody the entire movie. Like, he's just there, and he's doing his best to please her, but she doesn't want him. And it all plays into just the ending of, like, him realizing his place is not there anymore. And we'll kind of get into the thing with that, but, like, I think 
this is kind of the natural progression of these, you know, Woody as a character himself. And as we said, the other characters kind of fade into the background. Like, even, like, I don't believe, and maybe this was intentional, maybe it was just the way the movie went, but, like, I believe Mr. Potato Head's lines were all from previous films because they couldn't get Don Rickles in because he passed away a few years ago. Um, So, like, he's not in the movie big, but, like, some of the other characters don't have a lot of like really good dialogue. They're they're mostly there. Mostly they're in the in the camper for most of it, um, which kind of sucks because I love all those characters. But I think it, this movie operates as this, you know, almost more of a definitive ending. But also, I want to get into later that it could set up some more stuff in the future. I don't know. Setting up stuff in the future. See, that's that's the really sad part. Is um, I I I feel like based on the interviews that we've gotten with Tom Hanks, he's saying things like the franchise could continue, just not with me. And so yeah. I can't help but wonder if like the stuff that people want is going to end up being the 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 opposite of what people are like. The, the outcome is going to be the opposite of what people want because I think based on how things end up. You want more about Woody, but we're probably going to end up with more about Forky. Which yeah. I I still don't know if I'm crazy about that because I, I get the idea of creating a toy. Like, my brother does that all the time. He takes pipe cleaners and he can turn them into Dalmatians, kangaroos, macaws. Like it's crazy what he can do with those one-eighth inch pipe cleaners. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um <laughs> So I get the idea of creating new toys, and I think that's one of the one of the more brilliant things that they do in uh, in this movie is the existentialism of a created toy. You know, are you actually a toy, or are you just a collection of parts meant for the trash that some kid ended up embracing? You know that 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 self realization, that self awareness, and that existentialism is really cool. Uh, what I'm not crazy about is how somebody put together all those different things and now they've slapped a Pixar label on it and you have to buy Forky for $32 on the Pixar website. Make your own Forky, please. Like, I'm sorry, I can do the same thing at Hobby Lobby for less than $7 and still turn a profit. You know, I I can find the link for you if you don't believe me. That's how much it costs. It's like 30 plus bucks for a toy Forky. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Forky as a character is great. Forky as a toy? I'm not paying 30 bucks. I'm sorry. No. Just ain't happening. I, I do like I do like the kind of psychology and like you know, you that's always been the thing with this universe. Is it kind of there, there's some very specific rules about like the existence of these toys. Like they're made, they're manufactured just like normal toys, but they you know, they ultimately somehow gain uh, existence or, uh, you know, omnipresence, and they're, they're, they're alive, but they don't need food or water or anything like that to live. They need love. And so, like, I, I, throughout this movie, I was kind of thinking about, what you know, what does it mean to be a toy? What is all this? And then you literally have kind of the, the answer to the question that, like, what if you just make a toy? Like, what happens what if you make one out of trash and well, it comes alive and it's a, you know, this becomes this, this baby toy 
that is can barely talk or whatever and doesn't really know what it means to be a toy. Um, I like that whole dynamic. Like, I'm not sure I want to, like, I don't think uh, it's maybe a, a tool. I don't think you're going to see Forky in future films. I could be wrong. But I, I think I you're. I think you're very wrong, considering the plastic knife that they created as a companion for him at the end of the movie. I I think we're setting up for Forky to join the cast, and according to our friend Stephen, Forky is getting a series of Disney Plus shorts entitled "Forky Asks a Question." What? Oh my god! <laughs> well, okay, I am really wrong then. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I think they're setting up for a lot more Forky and learning about life through the eyes of Forky. I think Forky is meant to be like discovering life from the perspective of innocence. You're asking all these obvious questions that adults get annoyed by, but they're questions that kids end up asking. And so, you know, there, there's I think there's one point in the movie where he's asking why a whole bunch of times. He's like, why, 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 why is that? And Woody is very patient with him and answers all the questions but it's almost like one of those babysitter kid or parent kid type of situations where you're like getting all kinds of questions and you just don't feel in the mood to answer them. Uh, Forky's going to be the kind of person that's asking those types of questions. Uh, he's, I think he's very much in it for the long run. And I, hmm, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. I, I liked Forky, and I liked the role that he played, and I liked the comedic element of him being, like, magnetically driven back to the trash. Like, this is where I came from. This is where I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be used on some chili and then discarded. Like, that was hilarious to me. That was absolutely hilarious. I loved that. And then discovering what it means to be a toy, like you said, I think we kind of get that in every one of these movies like that's kind of the whole point of a toy story is learning the story of toys duh it's kind of in there in the title but learning what it means to be a toy looks very different in toy story 4 compared to what you see in toy story 1 for example learning what it means to be a toy is buzz lightyear learning that you don't have to be an actual superhero in order to be a hero to a child you know, that kind of right. moral is very different from you don't have to be made in a factory in order to bring joy to a child. I think that's the story that Forky ends up learning in the first half of this film is realizing, yes, I might be from trash, but that doesn't make me trash. And I I don't know. I feel like people kind of throw that word around a lot to talk about other people. And so I, I can't help but feel like there's going to be some moment where, like, these famous quotes start happening or circulating around the Internet relating to trash. Like, you know, you know, you know how Forky is, like, looking at the trash can and he's like, trash. Like, he's so lovingly looking at it. I'm seeing basic white girls caption their Twitter photos like me looking at that skank across the hall. Trash. <laughs> you know, it's coming. All right. I'm just putting that out there. It's happening. It's going to happen. But, you know, his his lesson that he learns there ends up helping, you know, turn him into a more well-developed character in the second half of the film. He actually contributes to the rescue op at the end of the movie. You know, they actually give him a role. They give him a job to do while they're trying to rendezvous with Woody at the end of the movie. He's not just some little set piece. He's going to be making contributions to the gang. And... 
to to have that proven at the end of the film is like a, like a really interesting development because he goes from being the one that's introduced at uh, the beginning of the film to being the one that's willing to give orientation to a newly created toy in first grade at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, and it's funny how I think I just now made this connection like I think you may have mentioned it too that he it's really kind of a, a different version of the buzz introduction. Like in the first film, Buzz is introduced, he's not a he's not a baby, but he's a newly created toy. He's a that, new toy that isn't aware of what he really is. Right. He doesn't really, and also it also draws in the fact that like people have always pointed out that even in Toy Story, in the first Toy Story, all the other toys know when you when a human comes in the room, you 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 go back to your normal form. You you, don't, you like, freeze. Yeah, you freeze. You freeze up. If if Buzz doesn't know that, why does he freeze with everybody else? Exactly. Also, Forky does the same thing. <laughs> so yeah, it it it. I guess really in the psychology of or the I guess the rules of this universe is that if. If if a human is looking at you or is around, you have to freeze. It's just except for in when their they head. break the rules at the end of Toy Story One and they terrorize Sid. It must be instinctive. Like they can break the rules if they want to. Like if if a toy who is sentient wants to talk to a human, they can't. Which also just like if they have free will, then why hasn't a toy just statistically going, "Hey, hi there, how's it going?" Like just start talking to a human, like. Doesn't make a well, lot of sense. Maybe, maybe it has. Maybe there's some other part of the universe. Maybe this is the same universe where bees can talk, and there's just another state where we've got the bee movie and toy terrorization story happening in San Francisco or something. Who knows? I, I'm just waiting for the Toy Story movie where this is all explained, and we get the government conspiracy theory about how the toys are actually created, and also. There's probably a branch of the government like the Men in Black that go around wiping people's memory from experiences with toys. There you go. There you go. Well, we also know that this is a part of the Cars universe because we saw another Dynaco station in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So eventually, people are going to cease to exist and cars are going to take over the country. It's the future. It's the future. That's The, the toy uprising is coming, and that's what leads to uh, Wally. <laughs> Oh my gosh. There's so many different directions we could take this. I'm not getting into the Pixar theory tonight. <laughs> not tonight. I'm not getting into the Pixar theory. Um So but... let's let's talk about Bo Peep. Yeah. Bo Peep is a character that was in one into I think the director said that she had like a total of six minutes of screen time total in Toy Story One and Two. Um, so she wasn't a very big role. So I think it was a really good choice for there to bring for them to bring her back and make her like a really a a main character, um, as someone who just kind of gave Woody advice, which she had important role in those films, just wasn't around a whole lot. So I think it was cool to kind of like have her sit out Toy Story three because she, well she's porcelain, so she probably got broke <laughs> in Toy Story three, um, which doesn't sound good, but. In this one, she's a quote-unquote lost toy. She's this kind of new breed of toys that somehow don't have owners but are kind of like roaming around and end up getting played with somehow. 
um, which Woody ends up becoming one of them. So I think, yeah. But I think I think her journey is interesting. That you're kind of, you know, understanding like what it means to be toy. Also, like I've wondered this, and I was wondering this during this movie. I'm like, what exactly is going on here with these toys? How does this? What happens when a toy isn't loved? Is right. it, it doesn't have an owner? When is sitting there for you know years and years and years? What happens? Well, we kind of get that answer with Bo Peep. Well, we get it with Bo Peep, and we also get it with Gabby Gabby in the antique store. Right. We kind of we kind of we kind of get the, 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 the sad get version both, of that. We get well, we get both sides of the picture. We get the toys that are optimistic and decide to go to playgrounds and carnivals and stuff and find kids. They're basically seeking out the love. And then there are ones that are sitting on the shelf who have never experienced that love at all and are just kind of waiting for something to happen to them. And if we're being honest, sounds a little bit like the dating world. There, there are some people who put themselves <laughs> out there and try and make things happen, try and force the issue, and then there are other people who wait on love to happen to them. And I think the cool thing is both of those stories have happily ever after endings. Right. You get right. you get Bo Peep finding the love of the kids by traveling with the carnival, and you get Gabby Gabby finding the love of the little girl who was lost. Like, both of them turn out okay. Both of them get the satisfaction of what they're going after, but they happen in completely different ways. And so, you know, I, I really enjoy that commentary of finding the peace in where you are, finding the happiness and love in your situation. That was a theme that I feel like was kind of missing in other elements of the Toy Story films, but was definitely not lacking in this one. They did a good job with that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, yeah, it, it does. I think you can, obviously you can't go certain places with this. This is ultimately, it's a kid's movie. It's a movie that's supposed to just have fun with it and it's supposed to laugh and sometimes cry and not think too hard about it, although we already do. And how are these toys actually living? You, you, can't, you don't think about that. You know, it's just the fact that what if toys were alive? What if thing? But, like, there is certain questions that I think this franchise has done a lot to answer in a good thing. Like, you know, what happens when a toy is just on the shelf for 50 years or whatever, however long Gabby Gabby was there? Or what, yeah. you know, what happens if a toy just gets discarded? Because nobody wants it. Like, how does a toy survive? Right. Um, when the 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 objective is like, they can't just exist. They have to be loved by a kid. And that rule of, you know, like a, a toy can't just go off and have a life. They they need that. That's I guess it's, I guess it's their drug or whatever. Like, it's really weird. Like, they can't. They seem to be able to survive, but they just crave being useful to a kid. And that's the whole thing with, like, Woody. Like, he's kind of at the end of his rope that Bonnie doesn't really want him, but he knows he has a duty to protect what she does want. So, you know, you have that whole thing with, you know, and kind of the kind of coming undone of Woody's kind of existence in the way that, you know, he admits, like, this is all I have left. Like, you know, Bonnie doesn't want me, but I have to, you know, I'm still looking out for her. And it's really, really sweet scenes in there with, like, him going to school with her and getting colors like that and helping create Forky, which I thought yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he's kind of 
he, he it feels like he's almost lost his way a little bit. Like at the end of Toy Story three, it seemed like there was like a happily ever after blending of the of the two groups of toys. And then in this one, you're kind of like, oh, he's trying to be a leader, but this isn't really his house. He's joined the house, and so you know, there's there's a little bit of a culture shock, if you will, a little bit of an adjustment period. And what's really weird, again, going back to this whole concept of third time this week you haven't been chosen to be played with, she got really excited when she saw Woody at the end of Toy Story 3. She's like, there's a snake in my boot. Like, she was excited. Mm -hmm. And now she's not excited? Like, even to the point that she's pulling the the sheriff badge off of him and putting it on Jesse, like, I'm sorry, that just... That felt a little messed up. I was like, really? I, you know what? I, I look at it from two different directions. I look at this, because I, I thought the same thing, especially after watching Toy Story 3 again, because, like, you see the end of that movie, and she picks him out. Like, my cowboy! Like, she loves Woody. She takes him home. And it does feel like a disconnect to go from that to, well, she's not interested. She's interested in pretty much every other toy except him. Yeah, like, um, just about everything else has a role. Everything else gets played with. But Mr. Snake in my boot just completely forgotten. But I will say, it's a perhaps more realistic approach, because I could totally see a kid being interested in a kid in a toy one week and forgetting about it the next week. You know, kids are infamous for, you know, oh, you buy this nice toy, but let's talk about this box. I love the box. Like, you're talking about the kids best or thing. cats? <laughs> both. Both. <laughs> Absolutely both. Because it works. But, so, I, I, I think it works from that standpoint. I still think, and obviously, like, you know, there's like, oh, you didn't get picked this week. Like, it'll come back around. And maybe, yeah, eventually, if Woody stuck around she she would have played with him again or whatever. But I think it was also what, what also the thing that was kind of, I think, bugging Woody is the fact that he wasn't a leader anymore. Like, she, yeah. it was Dolly that was kind of making the things and thing, and he was kind of just like a bystander, and he's not used to that. And I think as sad as it is, as as great as the ending of Toy Story 3 is, I think you have to look at, th- this is the more realistic approach to what would have actually happened. Would Woody have actually fit in with them and done that? Probably not. He he this probably would would happen that he would have ended up in this situation and not fit in very well and kind of resented it and still tried to hang on, but ultimately the, the best thing for him to do was to leave, which is sad, but also it's better for him. Uh, are we going there now? I guess are we, are we gonna are we gonna go there? Ugh. I don't know. Okay, so I made a I made like an actual pros and cons list. Okay, and we we've we've touched on a few of them, so I'm not I'm not gonna get too too deep onto it. But I'm I'm gonna go ahead and go into the cons real quick because these are some of my critiques and and complaints about what I wasn't as crazy about with this movie, and one of them involves his leaving. Because it's almost like a complete 180 from everything that I know about Woody from the previous three movies. Even the rescue mission in Toy Story 2. And I can't believe that I'm citing Toy Story 2. Because it's probably my least favorite of the franchise. We've discussed why before on the show. 
but at the end or the the you know last third of the movie Buzz confronts Woody and says somewhere in that pile of stuffing is a toy who taught me that life's only worth living if you're being loved by a kid. Like that is what Woody has instilled into his companions over the years is that 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 is what's going on. That that is what he's doing. And that's been his life for decades. That type of loyalty is all that he's known. And then he's got a year of tough going with a new kid and doesn't give himself hardly any grace, like, at all. Like, I, I don't know, man. It, I, I feel like he may have left a little too soon. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily see it as giving up on Bonnie, but... I can't help but wonder if maybe he was giving up on himself. Like, realizing that his role isn't what he knows it should be, and so he he doesn't he doesn't trust himself to be in this other role, to be the supporting role. He was a great mentor. The stuff that he did to help Forky understand his identity and, you know, talking him through all that, compare that to the way he was in uh, Toy Story 1. You know, he encounters Buzz, and he gets frustrated with him. He's like, just shut up, you idiot. This is the perfect time to panic. Like, he's he gets so frustrated that he literally yells at Buzz at the Dinoco. He's like, you are a toy! But then with Forky, he's super patient. He's like, no, you're not trash. You're a toy. No, this this isn't where you belong. You belong with Bonnie. Like... He's so much calmer. He's learned so much. He's come so far. And then he just doesn't go through with it. Like, I get that he's following Bo Peep. And as far as character development goes, this is a direction that a human might go if they were following love. But Woody isn't human. He's a toy. And a toy's purpose is being loved by a kid. Bo Peep found it a different way because of her circumstances, but Woody chose this. And I don't think toys are supposed to choose whether they want to be with a kid or not. Bo Peep was given away, and at the beginning of the movie, she was fine with it. She's like, I'm not Andy's toy. This is where I'm meant to go. She was at peace about it. He's not Andy's toy anymore. He's with Bonnie. He needs to be about that life and to to see him willingly give all that up even with bonnie in good hands of the underused supporting cast seeing him walk away mess with my emotions not just because it was tough to say quote-unquote goodbye to woody but it was tough to see that that's where he's ended up after three movies of loyally serving multiple kids yeah i i I totally i totally hear you i i i the more you talk and the more I think about it, the more, you know, because I, that my initial reaction was, of course, the tears. Yeah. And, and it Naturally. felt. Naturally. And it, yeah. And just knowing, and that thing, and that's what, and here I'll get to, I'll get to my grievances and it kind of plays off yours because. Well, like, I've got, I've got more grievances. That's just my big one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to those. We'll get to those. But mine ties in with yours and mine is. Kind of that that it, it it feels 
it's a bit of a left turn for the character, for Woody himself. And it's also, I feel like that, maybe not the, I feel like the movie, the movie itself and that moment when Woody makes that decision are kind of on different playing fields. They're not totally in sync with each other because I feel like that scene is like a, like Woody saying goodbye and I feel like a lot of the movie deals with like, I think it's a big deal for Woody and Buzz to be breaking up. Let's be honest here. Like, it's a huge deal. Those That's like one of the classic, like back when we did uh, top five duos. Like, I think for a lot of us, that was that was my number one, I'm pretty sure. It's number one for a lot of us. And, like, that's an iconic duo. And to break them up at the end of this movie, but not give them a lot of, like, really good screen time together in this movie, I think was kind of sad. I yeah. think... I think that that uh that end hug was really emotional, but it didn't feel earned. It didn't feel like, oh, Ooh. this is what we've been coming for this whole time. I felt like that they could have done more with Buzz. I feel like Buzz just kind of being more of a background character, really, in Woody's last movie is not really very good. I, I see them more as a team, as as a unit and less just as separate characters. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always been a package deal. I mean, I think that's kind of what Toy Story 1 was all about, was this prelude to, oh, hey, we've had this one toy that's been a favorite for so long, but now it's a package deal. They're a set. And, you know, the very end of Toy Story 1, it's like, Buzz Lightyear, you are not worried, are you? Like, what could Andy possibly get that's worse than you? Like, there's banter going on. There was hardly any banter that happened in this movie because, here's one of my other grievances, there was almost no decent screen time for Buzz. Yeah. He's, I, he's he had not like, in it a whole lot. He had, like, one good scene. In my opinion, he had, like, okay, one and a half because he shared that last scene with Woody saying goodbye to him. So he had one and a half good scenes. The one scene that he had on his own that I felt was really good was when he decided that he was going to go on the rescue mission by himself. And he just jumps out of the RV and he's like, what would Woody do? This is what Woody would do. And he just jumps without thinking. Like, it's Buzz Lightyear hero moment kind of thing. And he just he just goes out the window instinctively. You've got the heroic Buzz Lightyear music playing as he's doing the, those fancy jumps and he's falling with style throughout the, the different parts of the carnival. And then you get the physical comedy where he bumps into something and he's just kind of bumping around. And, you know, it, it's very it's very toy-like. It's very awkward. It's, it's very funny. But that's, like, the only scene that I really enjoyed that involved Buzz. Because every other time, it was like he was just dealing with his inner voice. Mm-hmm. And every time he had some kind of like dilemma he was like pushing his button to figure out what his quote-unquote inner voice was trying to tell him and sometimes it's not all about pushing buttons sometimes it's about instinct and it's like buzz had no instinct in this movie his instinct was to push the button compare that to the buzz lightyear that we know from toy story one and toy story two it's almost like night and day this isn't the buzz lightyear that i know 
everything about him is more like a supporting character that's kind of bumbling and doesn't really know his way. He's supposed to be Woody's co-star. And in this movie, he felt more like the sidekick. And I really, I really didn't care for that. Look, I know this is a comedy, but I feel like he was almost used more of a joke than anything. Yeah. And I feel like he's kind of like the other the other emotional half of of this franchise. Like he's one of the main characters along he's a co-star alongside Woody. And I I don't think that this movie represents that and I I feel like this movie treats Buzz kind of I I feel like it, yeah, the the inner voice thing is funny, but I almost think Buzz but- should be Buzz shouldn't be doing that at this point. I feel like that's maybe a good joke for like Toy Story Two, not Toy Story Four. Well, but that that's the that's the funny thing is he encounters a out of the box Buzz in Toy Story Two, and that Buzz is just being like all space rangery and pushing him up against the wall. And at one point he's like, "Tell me I wasn't this deluded." <laughs> like he's he's very self aware. And then in this movie, it's like he has no self-awareness. And any time he questions anything, he's just like, oh, I'm going to push the button and see what it says. Oh, thanks, inner voice. You just saved the day again. I, yeah, I it, just... does, it does feel out of character. It, like, you have the buzz that was established previously. Like, when he, when he goes over the hump of... Knowing, thinking he's a space ranger, you know, in the middle of Toy Story 1 to being a normal toy, like, you get over that hump, and he's normal. He's he's not this kind of, as you said, like, almost bumbling guy who is very naive. And I think, like, like the toys, because I was thinking about this earlier, how, how the toys themselves are kind of naive for a lot of it. I think it's because, like, they are... There's younger toys, especially when you're dealing with, you know, Forky, who's literally like a couple days old, like doesn't know about the world. I think it shows that like, you know, Woody is like the smartest one and like seem like the the most self-aware toy because he's been around the longest. He's been around since like the 50s or whatever. Like he's right. one of the oldest and he's had enough experience to like he behaves like a human being, basically. And I feel like Buzz kind of had the same same type of, you know, presence, same type of voice. I feel like they, he kind of lost some of that in this movie. He kind of, like, he turned into more like, oh, yeah, let's use him for a couple of few jokes, and for the most part, he's just going to be in the background. And I'm like, no, you're leading up to the emotional high point of their relationship, and you're not going to give Woody and Buzz? Like, I feel like... I feel like the other toys, I mean, I they were in there, but, like... I feel like they should have just really focused on Woody and Buzz, but they just ended up just giving it almost all of it to Woody, and Buzz is just kind of there, you know, enough to like, oh yeah, we've got enough Buzz scenes that this is a Toy Story movie, but not enough that he actually feels like a fleshed out character. Yeah, that's that's kind of along the lines of what I was thinking. And then the other thing was when he like breaks character and decides to actually say out loud that Bonnie forgot her backpack. I was like, whoa, whoa, how many toy directives did you just violate by breaking face and 
saying a phrase that your voice box isn't programmed to say and potentially causing them to, like, look at him the way Sid looked at Woody. Like, who are you calling busted, buster? That's right. I'm talking to you, Sid Phillips. Like, oh, my gosh. But I I don't know. Like, breaking that code for that purpose, it just... I I don't know. I, I still don't know how to feel about that. I also don't know how to feel about the sadistic unicorn that was just hell-bent on putting Dad in jail. <laughs> he almost got his wish, too. Like, he almost got it. And, and don't get me wrong, I laughed at that scene because I do a lot of driving and commuting for a living, and I've seen crap like that. You know, I've seen people that drive really, really weird. But he just keeps blaming it on being a rental. He's like, sir, pull over. I don't know how. <laughs> like, that was pretty funny. That that was, uh, like, a, a, a pretty good moment trying to lead you up to the carousel and then, like, dropping down the awning in order to create, like, a bridge. Like, they used the RV pretty well in this movie. It's yeah. just the stuff that the toys are doing in the RV is just... It's almost unneeded. Like, you hardly get anything from Rex. You hardly get anything from the Potato Heads. Slinky Dog's biggest moment is when he helps with RC's rescue in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like, you hardly get anything from this ensemble at all. And then you hardly get anything from Buzz either, who's meant to be Woody's co-star. And so, yeah, that's... That's one of my grievances with this film is Buzz was just kind of dumbed way down to the point that he was almost a sidekick. And I was like, okay. Um, it's not like I wanted this movie to be about Buzz. We've had a movie about Buzz. But can it be about the both of them, especially if you're setting it up for this epic goodbye? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like – and I don't know. Maybe, Maybe their logic is, well – we're going to do Toy Story 5 and it's going to be all about Buzz and it's going to be Buzz in in a in a central role and we don't need to put him in this movie as much because you know you know it's going to be Woody's swan song still i would say to that like you know it's still you know if you're going to like the whole theme for for these movies is Woody and Buzz Woody and Buzz and i think Coming to the end of their relationship, I think it needs to be that on steroids. You need to have more Woody and Buzz, not just more Woody. And don't get me wrong here, I I really enjoyed this movie. I know I know we're you know I I think I think it's it's I think it it does a lot of good things, does a lot of things right, but I think it does. I don't know. I think it I think it misunderstands the characters just a bit. I think it it does kind of stumble in the sense. Of like wanting to do something big, but not really knowing quite how to do it right. Right, and and that's my thing. I think that's my biggest gripe out of everything that I and I'm gonna gripe about. And then we'll go to commercial break and come back and talk about favorites because right. there was a lot of favorite stuff in here too. Um, my my biggest gripe overall is the storytelling because everything stems from the storytelling. The selecting to give Woody way more airtime than Buzz. The deviating from Woody's character that we've come to know over the course of three movies. 
the the uh, this is this is a small gripe, but it felt like they were kind of overcompensating by putting Bo Peep in so much. It was like, oh, we didn't have her at all in Toy Story three, so here's a whole freaking lot of her in Toy Story four. You know, it, it's like they were really, really trying to figure out how to uh, give justification to a Toy Story four because Toy Story three wrapped things up so well. That the only way you can rip that band-aid back off and like willingly expose yourself to more fields is if you include these particular elements in the story. And so they felt kind of twisted. They felt kind of forced. They felt kind of like they needed to be in there to, to hammer home the emotional distress that people are supposed to feel over these movies. But I, I don't know. Like forced feelings don't really do it as much for me. I feel like there were a lot of people that were emotional wrecks during this movie because of everything that happened. And I only teared up like twice. It was the hug goodbye and it was Gabby Gabby finding a girl. So both of those things happened like at the very, very end of the movie. Yeah. Like everything else, like here's, here's the one that really kind of got me mad was the beginning of the movie playing the original Randy Newman. You've got a friend in me. It's like, Hey everybody. Remember this song from 1994 where we're going to play it again just to shake you up inside a little bit. Like it, it didn't really serve any purpose to the introduction of the movie. It's like they were just playing it so that they could remind you, hey, you watched this movie 25 years ago and now you're watching it again. Yeah, it's more seemed more obligatory like, hey, this is a this is a, a Toy Story movie, so we got to get that Toy Story song in there. Okay, but and- even then, in Toy Story 3 at the very end, they played the the Spanish version, the Ayuna Amigo en Mi. But mm-hmm. we had had El Buzzo in that movie. And so it made sense. Like they put a Toy Story 3 twist on the Toy Story 1 song. And it just felt like it was bookending it so well because you knew exactly what they were singing, but they were singing it in Spanish. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But I I don't know. Like, I, I didn't feel like I enjoyed that song as much this time around. You know what? I just thought about something. The fact that you have a friend, you know, you got a friend in me, first movie, iconic, whatever. In two, they bring it back around at the end, and it's Wheezy singing it in this really deep, deep voice. Yeah, like a Robert Goulet kind of. And then you're right that in three, they turn it into they do the Spanish version, which is great. They should do something like that in this one instead of just like going and maybe, but they still like at the end in credits is like very funny. (laughs) Like you have Ducky and and Bunny, you know, pretend talking about you know. turning into huge monsters and, and destroying the carnival and stuff like that. Like they do some funny stuff. So they could have done it there and had like another unique version. I don't know, in another language or whatever, like just do something like instead of just like thing. And I don't know, this movie seemed, I was a little surprised at the beginning because the beginning is like, it starts out with a flashbacks and like it shows the big, the ending of toy story three and I guess from their standpoint, they're like, well, it's been a long time, and maybe a lot of kids have never seen Toy Story, so we have to put this in there, we have to put that song in there, but I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like most kids have seen the movie, so... Hmm. I'm really worried that they're going to rehash stuff like that in Lion King as well. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to re-experience my childhood 
And if a bunch of snotty-nosed kids have to be finger-fed my story that I've known for 20-something-odd years, I'm going to be mad, bro. I'm going to be mad. Well, the one difference there is that is literally like a redo of the story. Yeah. So yeah, you don't have right. to really not, remind anyone. This is a Toy Story Four is a sequel, and yeah. it's banking on you knowing thing. But like Toy Story is at like you know the stature of Star Wars or whatever. Like people who even don't know Toy Story or have never seen it know what it is and know the concept around it. So like I don't really think they need. I mean I know like a lot happened in Toy Story Three, whatever. And maybe they need to catch people up, but like it uh. You know what? What are they gonna do further? And see, they're now they're saying like, "Oh, this is the ending." I don't think this is the ending. I, I absolutely no. am expecting Toy Story five at some point. I'm just wondering. No. I'm just wondering: is it going to be about Woody, or is it gonna be about Buzz? I I think it's gonna be about Bonnie's toys. Okay. I, you think Tom Hanks is out now, or has he said that? Based on the interviews, he's made overtures that sounds like, "Yeah, Toy Story five could happen without me." Hmm. Like I, I think I've heard him say that in interviews before. So that, that's what really worries me is Tom Hanks delivered an amazing job with this movie, and he could be on his way out. And if they cycle it back over to Buzz, it almost felt like Tim Allen kind of phoned in his part. Like he was there for a week, maybe two weeks, did that stuff, did the, did the inner voice blurbs, and then just kind of just kind of ducked out again. And that really kind of makes me nervous for the franchise because if it's not about Woody and Tim Allen is kind of half-assing it with this role, then what's the quality of the movie going to be? You know, yeah. I'm the the future is both bl- bright and bleak in my mind. And that's a really sad thing to say about one of my favorite childhood movie series. Um but I'm I'm enough I'm 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 enough. I'm done being a Debbie Downer. We're gonna take a quick commercial break <laughs> here, and we're gonna come right back and uh, continue this discussion, discussing some of our favorite elements from Toy Story 4: reasons to love it, reasons to go watch it in the theater, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All that and more right here on the IPC podcast on channel1138.com and live on Facebook. Everybody is Sage from the Night Force Media Network, and I'm here to tell you about our new show, The Fandom Cantina, and why you need to tune into it. Also, here to talk about it is, um, uh, oh yeah, right, it's Mondo. Wait, wait, wait. So you think I got like an afterthought? Let no, me tell no, you but... something, okay? You act like I don't know anything about Star Wars I, I never and the said Force that. or uh, or other movies. I'll have you know, I was a Movie Pass subscriber, okay, and I subscribed Wait, but... to A List. And you act like I don't know anything about television. You no. know, like all those fancy shows and video games. Let me I, tell you something, I didn't man. Say... I have beaten fifty video games this year alone, and 50? you don't think that I like making odd-numbered list countdown lists up? Oh, oh, you are you are sadly mistaken, sir. So yeah, that's what our show's about. You can catch us 10 p.m. Eastern Wednesday nights. Mixler's Night Force Media. See you then. 
up our discussion of Toy Story 4 right here on the IPC podcast, broadcasting live on channel1138.com and broadcasting on Facebook Live for the first time since our 100th episode. We celebrated 100 episodes in a really unique and weird way a few years back where you went live on Periscope, Ben, and Mm -hmm. I went live on Facebook and told people, hey, if you want to listen to us, you've got to have both websites open at the same time to see our faces because that was how advanced our technology was at the time. Now we've got this awesome broadcasting service that allows us to broadcast on Facebook Live. We could use our faces sometime if we wanted to, but who really wants to see that? You're just here to listen to us. So we're broadcasting live on Facebook, which is really cool. Uh, I think the last time we did anything with XSplit Broadcasting was when we did uh, Jedi Pod back in 2017. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, And so, you know, if this gains enough traction, we may try and do it more semi-permanently, see what happens. But uh, thanks to everybody that's hopped on and hopped off and shared the feed on their Facebook profiles and stuff. Uh, hopefully this becomes a thing because it's actually pretty easy to set up now and it could give us a potential for a lot of fun. So we'll see where it goes. But um, continuing our discussion of Toy Story 4, we've got a lot of favorites to cover. Things like uh, favorite moments. Yeah. Obvious, obviously the, the big moment at the end is probably going to be like the cop-out answer, but was there... Was there something in this that just made you feel like it's genuinely Pixar, it's genuinely Toy Story, it's so great, it's so cool, it's so fun? Like, was there anything in there that just kind of grabbed you and just held on to you real tight? Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking of 
you know, an emotional moment. I'm like, I, I really like, I liked the, the the road scene where you know Forky is and and Woody have the talk, and Forky kind of realizes his purpose. Um, if it's an emotional scene, it's that. But if it's just any scene, the the scene where Bunny and Ducky make their plan and talk about how they're going to get the key. <laughs> Oh. Had had my theater laughing hysterically, and I I was crying laughing at that because so funny how they like multiple ways to, like attack this poor woman and take the key, and then later on they're like, oh the key was just she just put it right in front of us, <laughs> no big deal. And then they all kind of like said it was so hard, it was so difficult, we had so <laughs> much trouble. It was like, no, you didn't. Calm down. Yeah, but yeah, right. that that was funny. Key and Peel, uh, you know, we we haven't really gotten to that yet. We'll get to it in just a second. But there were some really interesting additions to uh, to this cast, and Key and Peel as Ducky and Bunny were uh, some some pretty strong comedic relief in a lot of areas. Oh yeah, they were so good. It's almost like they were made for that role or something. But yeah, you think. I, I I digress just a little bit. Um, you know, if I had to pick something. It it might be the the playground scene. I I thought it was really interesting seeing toys that didn't have an owner getting excited about playtime happening at the playground. Because in Toy Story 3, the playground was kind of like this dreaded concentration camp kind of area. Uh-huh. But but in this in this scenario, it's like, "Oh boy, we get to be in the sandbox. We get to be played with." Oh boy, there's a carnival in town. We get to go strategically place ourselves over there so that we get both trampled and played with. Like, their perspective is just so unique and so different. And Bo Peep having a skunk for a ride was pretty (laughs) awesome. That was so random. It's just like, oh, motorized skunk. That makes sense. But at the same time, it kind of does because it's the best option to like scare people away and not ask any questions. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I th- yeah, it totally works. And seeing a carnival from a toy's perspective, like the inner workings of a carousel and uh, how how terrible it might be to to be a toy that's hanging up on the display and never getting one. Like, there's a lot of perspectives that I never really took into account. Until you're looking at it from the toy's point of view in Toy Story 4. And that's the thing that they excel at, is showing you different everyday world scenarios from the perspective of a toy. They really put you in the mindset of a Buzz Lightyear character, of a stuffed animal, of an abandoned toy, of a combat Carl, something like that. They put you in their shoes and you get to experience imagination in a way that... I don't know about you, man, but my imagination could never come up with stuff like that. It's those moments that leave me in awe of the creative team that's working on these movies. Oh, yeah. There's so many. I mean, this movie alone, there's so many just brilliant ideas, not just comedic-wise, but just story-wise and whatever. Um, and I think, it, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just great. Well, and the animation, too. It is night and day from what we've seen in... Uh, something like the 95 version. I know I've said 94. I had to go back and correct myself. It's actually 95. But the 95 Toy Story was on such a budget that they literally couldn't create a dad because they didn't have the money for it. 
<laughs> and now they have so much money that they're paying all these really awesome people to uh, to, to put together something that is just visually spectacular. If you look at some of those overhead shots at you know the carnival and the highway behind it and the cars that are driving by, it's like you can not only see the trees in the background, but some of the leaves on the tree. And each one of those had to be drawn, dude. Each one of those had to be animated. Each one had to be part of the the moving part that is this movie. It's not necessarily like super creative animation, like what we saw with Into the Spider-Verse, but it's detailed animation. So Mm -hmm. detailed that you almost believe that it's a real world. And that type of, of detail and that type of imagination is just amazing to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, animation, the animation alone in this movie is astoundingly beautiful. Like, not just from the human's perspective, like the whole opening scene with the rain, like how it interacts with the characters, like it's gorgeous. And it's, it's amazing what they're able to do now. And it just... You know, and we almost take it for granted, but like, go compare like how the humans look in this compared to how they looked in the original, or just how the toys looked, or how Woody looked. Like, it's it's like night and day. Oh yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. See, there are things about this movie that I would give praise to. It's not like I'm just ripping it all to shreds. So before you start judging me, just realize that there are certain elements that I really, really did enjoy. Uh, Like I said, having a redeemed villain like Gabby Gabby, this type of detailed animation, the the existentialism of a of a toy that's been made instead of one that's been bought, you know, there are a lot of really interesting things that they that they kind of expand upon in this movie. But one of the things that I feel like they did really really well, just all the way across the board, was new characters. Yep. I, I, I as, as, as disappointed as I was that our traditional ensemble cast didn't go on another adventure, I was really glad to see Forky, to see Gabby Gabby. And then probably the biggest surprise, but also one of the happiest surprises, was Keanu Reeves as Duke Kaboom. Oh my gosh, that character, that guy. <laughs> Keanu's like, everywhere these days, like, but like, one of the, like it's so crazy. good. It's so crazy. And one of the questions that we had in our show notes was favorite character slash favorite new character. Uh, I mean, I feel like we kind of have to give the favorite character answer to Woody just because it's basically his movie. Mm-hmm. But if there was a new character that you had to, like, pick, who do you think it would be? Would it be Duke? Would it be Gabby? Or would it be somebody else? Oh, see, that's so hard. Um... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Forky. I'm gonna I feel like that's an easy choice, but Forky just the whole the psychology around his character, but also so much comedy, you know. And also another thing, shout out. I know we kind of criticized the use of "You've Got a Friend in Me," but I like Randy Newman's new song too. I, I liked uh, I like "Don't Throw Yourself Away." Um, I like the the whole sequence with him trying to literally throw himself away was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it, it tied itself together really well. I don't know if it'll win, like, best original score or, or best original song, but, you know, he he's done that with just about every Toy Story movie. He's got You've Got a Friend in Me, and then in Toy Story 3, he does We Belong Together, which I thought was a really great song. 
Don't throw yourself away. Uh, what did he like, do in Toy Story 2? Uh, I can't remember. I know there's like... Well, there's... Str- there's there's several songs in the first one. There's you got a oh yeah, me. strange there's, things. Uh, there's the one about flying. There's the strange things are happening to me. Um, there's at least three songs in there. A lot of like, thin, like and not like we'll go sailing no more. Thank you. Yeah. Thank I, you. I, and sorry, that's not that like really gets to me. No, no, that's, I'm like, I, I, lo- like, that's not even, like, it's not even mediocre music. Like, it's not like, oh, yeah, they put a few songs in there. Like, all that is, like, stellar. Like, I don't know if it won in the Oscars, but, like, it really should have, um, because that's amazing music. Randy Newman is a genius. Oh. Anyway, I, I think. Holy crap, it Goulet. was Robert Goulet. I'm oh, sorry, really? I looked up, I looked up the Toy Story 2, uh, uh, soundtrack. And it actually was Robert Goulet who sang that You've Got a Friend in Me that, that Wheezy uh, sings. Okay. Okay. And then you had yeah. Sarah, Mac- Sarah McLaughlin in uh, When She Loved Me. Oh, jeez. Woody's Roundup featuring Riders in the Sky. I'm pretty sure Randy Newman came up with all those songs and then had other people sing it. It's amazing that I I don't really think about Toy Story as like a musical as musical movies, but they have so much great music in them. Like all yeah, of them. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Man. Okay, <sighs> so my my favorite new character is actually kind of out there. Mm-hmm. But this this is one element that we really haven't talked about that much, but I feel deserves some uh some recognition. Uh as much as I enjoyed Forky, as much as I enjoyed uh, Gabby Gabby uh, as much as I enjoyed uh, Duke Kaboom uh, as well as I could I mean yes he Canada kind of gets old after about the second or third time but <laughs> it was it was still fun I I think I enjoyed seeing the uh, Benson ventriloquist toys oh yeah Dude, when they're chasing them around the uh, the the antique store, it's freaky, man. It's they did a good job with that, I think. It's really it's really creepy to to see them like just as one's pushing Gabby Gabby's cart, then uh, shows up like uh, another two, three, four, like a like a like a like a honor guard or something almost. And then the way their heads swivel around and keep an eye on everything, they're kind of patrolling the antique store the way the monkey was patrolling the security cams in Toy Story 3. Like, you've always got to have a decent henchman to back up your villain. And the the Bensons did a really, really good job with that. And aren't the... Isn't Benson from something else as well? Like a horror film or something like that? I know it's kind of become like the ventriloquist dummy, at least that type, has become very synonymous with like horror. I don't know where that comes from exactly. I don't, I don't either. I don't remember because horror's not exactly my genre. No, me neither. Me neither. Maybe, maybe it's for the best that I didn't see uh, Child's Play. I don't know. <laughs> It's amazing that those movies came out in the same weekend, Toy Story 4 and Child's Play. And Child's Play, yeah. I mean, I think the only reason I was going, I went for two reasons. One, to be with my buddy Mondo, 
And two, because Mark Hamill is voicing Chucky. Uh Uh-huh. And so I wanted to go see what Mark Hamill was up to these days. But uh, other than that, I was like, I'm kind of on the fence about this one. Uh, I'm definitely not as on the fence about Toy Story 4. I just, I guess I ended up having higher expectations for it than what it ended up meeting. And that's probably my own fault more than anything was going into this saying, I expect it to be this. I expect it to do this. I expect this. And when it doesn't do that, then I get mad. Sounds like another movie that uh, that people have seen and discussed recently from like uh, 2017 or so. Um, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> that also that also does some interesting and maybe controversial things with a, an extremely with iconic a and beloved character. Iconic character. starring character, exactly. Exactly. See, you get me. After five years of podcasting together, you get me. You get where I'm coming from. I'm picking up what you're putting down, man. It's okay. I've I've got you. I've got you. Ah, Okay. So one question that you put in the show notes, I'm going to try and change gears here. Okay. Um, Was this a worthy sequel? Uh Uh-huh. What are your thoughts? My thoughts, I think think as a just looking at it of – Okay, continuation of the story, not critiquing the story itself, but as a sequel, as a continuation, I think it's a good sequel. I think what I want from a sequel and what I think sequels should be, and they usually aren't, is a continuation of the story that also develops the characters, does something different with them, does something unique with them, and moves the story forward. Instead of, like... I mean, for example, and I know I keep coming back to this. I love Toy Story 2, but there isn't a whole lot of like Woody and Buzz like what is their kind of arc and how I know they are cha- they do change as characters, but like between the ending of Toy Story 1 and the ending of Toy Story 2, how what's the big change? Like what is the big thing for them? And I know there's probably a number of things you could point to, but overall, it's mostly kind of bringing things back to the status quo of this is oh we got a few new friends we got Jesse and Bullseye like that's basically what Toy Story two is it's great I love it but it's not about necessarily like changing things and shaking things up Toy Story three not the case it's about changing things putting putting the characters in different situation and making them you know putting them in a challenging environment um this is the same thing over again it's it's about moving the story forward challenging the characters making them rethink their whole existence like i think from a sequel perspective i think it really works um that and that's putting aside all of my critiques of like handling of woody handling of buzz all this kind of stuff i'm gonna leave all that aside and say that i think this is a good sequel yeah i mean to to answer this particular question i'm gonna answer it this particular way i have seen worse sequels Oh, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of sequels out there that are way worse than this. Um, they're, they're, I'm not even going to list them. There's so many of them that it's just blech. So uh, one of the worst ones, Fox and the Hound 2. It's not even It's not even 2 because it explores the stuff that happens to them when they're pups. I've like, never it, seen that, and I really don't want to. It's not even a sequel, man. You can't even call it a sequel. I, uh, ah. I'm not going to get into you that. Know, not, not, not every sequel can be Zombies 2, all right? Oh, man. 
Hey, there's our weekly Zombies reference. Nice job. <laughs> nice job. I feel like every week we have to make a Zombies reference of some mm-hmm. kind. We're, we're that's, contractually obligated. That's 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 where it fits in now. Was this a worthy sequel? Uh, as far as this franchise is concerned, yes. I, I feel like the answer to that would be yes, because there are a lot of things that they do to certain characters that changes things up and helps them grow beyond what they were in the previous movie. If you allow for growth, if you allow for character development, if you allow for, you know, change, like you're talking about what happened in three, then yes, this movie does that. It does that on all cylinders. It's just that maybe I don't necessarily agree with the way that they did that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that, yeah. that's, that's more of a personal preference than it is a professional critique. Um, if I, I I I still personally feel like there are elements of this movie that feel like they were just doing it so that they could make more money off of it. Because when they did Toy Story 3, it felt like they were saying goodbye to everybody. It felt like it was just, okay, this is the end, and this is a fitting way for it to end. If we're talking about starting a new trilogy, doing like 4, 5, and 6 from Bonnie's perspective then maybe not because now Bonnie's lost a toy. I yeah. I don't I I don't I don't know where to go with this next. And that that's one of the next questions that we've got is now that we've got Woody becoming a lost toy, saying goodbye to pretty much everyone that he knows and just going with Bo and her, and his new friends. You know, what do you do next? Where do you go from here? Do you do the adventures of of Sporky and knifey, and seeing them spooning each other and having kids. I don't know what you do next. (laughs) I went there because I don't know what you do next, man. I don't know what the heck to do. Wow, wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. We're here. We're here now. We we made it. Um, (laughs) as far as my 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 take on this is like, I. I could I could see it going either way. As much as I have issues with this movie, I would like to see a Toy Story five, and but I don't know where I wanted to go because like I feel like there's some good stories. Like like realistically, the Toy Story five that I have in mind is that Buzz and all the guys go off on another venture and they run into Woody again. But like that totally ruins this movie. <laughs> like you right. can't have that. I'm like right. like I feel like you're gonna want to like but if you do. A story about just Woody and all his friends now. Like, you're going to want to know what Buzz is doing. Or, you know, you see, you know, Buzz and you want to see what Woody's doing. Like, it's going to be weird having just those characters kind of by themselves. Um, I'm wondering if, like, what if, what if they just went off and told a completely different story with a completely different set of characters that we've never seen before? Like, just completely new toys. Like, they could do that. I'm not sure how well it would do because I think a lot of Toy Story success is these characters. It's not just yeah. the universe. Yeah. But I'm just I think Disney knows that can you still hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, something unplugged on mine. I heard a like do 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 and I'm like, okay. Oh dear. I'm like, did my microphone unplug? Did something unplug? No, if you can still hear me, that's all that matters. Everything's yeah. good. But like and I'm now trying to remember what I was saying here. Um, so I think you 
I don't know. It's just it's just weird that going forward, I think Disney. Now I remember what I was gonna say. For Disney, I think they they know what they've got here, and they're not gonna let it go. And I'm no. not one of these people that goes, oh, they're milking the cash cow, whatever. But yeah, that kind of is it. Toy Story is yep. massive, and they know yep. they can put, they can keep making these movies, and people will go see them, and they've done good so far. And I'm, I really want to cheer them on, but I also want to be careful so and not, here's, you know, jump the shark. Here, here's, here's a thought that I just came up with. They're doing. Um, a Monsters Inc. series on Disney Plus, right? With John Goodman and Billy Crystal reprising their roles. Yep. What if we had a Toy Story series where it was like a twelve episode season or something like that, and they alternated each episode which character they were following? That would be interesting. So, like one, three, and five, you're seeing what's going on in Buzz's world. Two, four, six. You're seeing what's going on in Woody's world, and then like at the end of each season, there's cause to make you think that they're going to end up converging, but they haven't just yet. And like the season two, season three finale or something like that is where they actually do meet. And then you could maybe put a MCU kind of spin on it, where it doesn't actually happen in the seasons. Maybe by the end of season three, you know that the crossover is about to happen, and then plop that's when it shows up in the movie theaters or when it shows up yeah. as a Disney yeah, plus original you watch, and then you have to watch that movie to understand the context of what's going on in the TV series. Right. And I think that's, that's how it would have to work because like, I don't think you could even, you couldn't put Woody and buzz in the same show, even if they weren't in scenes together, like they were two different separate storylines. You couldn't do that unless it was leading up to them meeting again, because pe- right. that would just be teasing people. But again, right. I don't, think they want to do that i think they, they've separated these characters for a reason and i think probably the most realistic option is that tom hanks is, is getting older he's one of the most successful and one of the most iconic actors of all time he's been doing this a long time he probably just wants to exit and be done with it and i think tim allen is not the case with him i think he he probably will keep going with this i think that's why we've got we're not going to see Woody again is what I'm saying. I think Woody is out. I think what any other parts of this franchise is going to be Buzz taking the lead and with these other characters, which I would be fine with. But Woody's just been such a face for the thing. Woody and Buzz have been the real face of this franchise. It's going to be weird going forward without him. Yeah, it, it it's going to be a very difficult transition. And hopefully... That uh, that transition takes a little while. Like, it's not going to be one of those immediate changes where it's like, oh, next year on Toy Story 5. Like, it took, what, from 2013 to 2019 for them to settle on doing Toy Story 4? Something like that? Well, I mean, so, there's, there's about an average of, like, 10 years between the last two films. Like... So, you know, Toy Story 2 came out in when? I'm trying to Google it. 99, uh, I think. Dang, you're right. 1999. So you 90, 95 to 99. They came up with that pretty quick, but then you jump to Toy Story 3, and that isn't until 2010. Like, you're talking 11 years, and then 9 years between Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4. Wow, so, I've got my years way off, because I thought the first one was 94 and it was 95. 
And then I thought that three was like in the 2012, 2013 region. It was 2010. Mm-hmm. Okay, see, I remember it because it was supposed to be like a happy trails to those going off to college, but I didn't start college full-time until 2012. Oh. So, I, hmm, I don't, jeez. My past is really kind of messed up. Maybe I should blame it on being homeschooled. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it all comes back to dumb homeschoolers. Damn homeschoolers. <laughs> okay. I I'm I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I um, think we're both done tonight. <laughs> I well, then I guess it's a good time to move into final thoughts and uh and planet scores. What do we make of this movie comprehensively? How do we look at it overall? I think I think for me as as a film just in the bubble of like you know as a well put together thing I think it is well put together I think it's a great I think it's really a great movie and I think it's really enjoyable and it's a fun little one off adventure I think it's the it's the ending that kind of puts it all into perspective and instead of being that kind of this one off episodic adventure with these characters that's mostly kind of focusing on Woody, you realize, oh, crap, this is a big, huge step, and we're losing Woody. And I think that's, it, It it as we've kind of talked about on this episode, we it kind of taints it just a bit. It kind of, like, puts it into this box of, like, oh, crap, I, I know this is, like, instead of just kind of being a fun little thing, it's this huge event. Um, and I appreciate that about this movie, but at the same time, the way some of the characters are handled the way Woody is handled, his whole arc. I feel like it's a natural progression. I do think, I think ultimately the choice Woody makes is all right. I I agree with you in the sense that, you know, maybe it's a bit, you know, short-sighted. But I think ultimately, I think it kind of ties into his arc pretty well. And I kind of like the idea of him kind of moving on. At the same time, you know, there is the lack of buzz or lack of the other characters and the lack of some elements that I really enjoy about these at these films. And so it is a very it's a departure from the previous three, I think, in the sense that it, it does focus heavily on Woody. And, you know, it's a lot of good moments. And overall, it's very funny. It's hilarious at times. It's it's very emotional. There's a lot of wit. There's a lot of really smart ideas and like that. Overall, it's great. I just think it doesn't necessarily stick to landing in certain aspects. I don't think it does some of the characters justice, specifically Buzz. So I'm going to give it... Man, what do I give this movie? What do I give it? I'm going to give it a solid 8 out of 10. Okay. All right. I see you. I see you. I, like I said at the top of the show, I... I've, feel like this conversation that we had tonight was going to be like the make or break you know mm-hmm. am i am i going to give this a really high score am i going to give this kind of a lower score and then i've seen some of the ratings from people that have been listening live our friend joey was listening on facebook live and sent us a, a planet score of 8.5 uh, our friend Steven gave it an 8.5 as well out of 10. George i know you're listening uh, better send in your score soon man or we're going to have to cut everybody off but uh, if you want to tell us your rating out of 10 for this movie, just find us on social media at IPC Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, and uh, we'll add it to our database. But for me, 
I feel like there's just a lot of stuff on my initial impressions that I wanted to gripe about, and I think what I need to do is go back and watch it a second time and force myself to kind of not gripe about it and just appreciate it for what it is. I think if I do that, my score might end up being a little bit higher, but right now I'm still kind of uh, bummed about how Buzz's character turned out. I'm still kind of bummed at the storytelling uh, and the way that they ended up at the final 30 minutes or so. The final 30 minutes was like a 10 out of 10. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. Uh, but the stuff leading up to it, uh, I think pretty much everything leading up to have them meet us at the merry-go-round. Oh, you mean the carousel? Yes, the carousel. You know, the that. From there on, it's like a 10 out of 10. But everything else was just kind of lackluster in certain areas. You know, the the overcompensating with Bo Peep, the playing You've Got a Friend in Me gratuitously, uh, Woody's character deviation and the way that he just kind of, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it, it's got to be counterbalanced with new characters like Duke Kaboom, like Gabby Gabby. Like the, the animation could be a character in and of itself because of how beautiful it is. So mm-hmm. I just I I don't I don't really know how to score this one, man. I want to give it an eight, but I don't know if I can justify doing that just yet. Maybe after my second viewing, it'll be an eight. So I just need to like preemptively give it an eight. But I just I don't know if I can if I can give it that score. So for now, I'm gonna give it a seven point five. For that's, now, that's fair. I think that's very fair. For now, it's going to be a 7.5. I've got AMCA list. It's going to be in the theaters for a while. I'll probably end up seeing it again sometime in my free time. But I just, I personally thought that they were going to do some different things with it. And when they didn't do it, it kind of blindsided me and kind of made me lose my suspension of disbelief at times. Mm -hmm. And that's not what good storytelling does. Storytelling immerses you in what they're doing. And I wasn't as immersed in this film as I thought I was going to be. So, great characters, great animation, a great finish. But not a great first half leading up to it. The second half was way stronger, in my opinion. But that first half really hurt its overall score. So, yeah, 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very fair, and I think yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and see it again. I, I'm, I might take my family the ne- next time because they haven't seen it yet. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's worth a second viewing, especially because it's it's hard to judge when there's that big reveal at the end, when there's that big thing that happens, and you kind of come away just thinking about that, and you kind of can't think about the whole movie as a whole. Whereas if you go in knowing what's going to happen, you can kind of judge the movie a bit more fairly, and it's not just the shock value of it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is one that grows on you, and you need a second viewing. It's happened before with me. A lot of movies. There's some movies that I really did not like first time I watched them and then came back around. So it can happen. Give them a chance. Well, I plan on giving it a chance, obviously. It's Pixar. You know, it's like, hello. Uh, I I still need to give Brave another chance. I still need to give The Good Dinosaur a first chance. But (laughs) I, I I definitely feel like... Toy Story 4 is one of those ones you need multiple viewings for so you can take it all in. Because that first time, you're like, oh, okay, that's a thing. And then the second time is going to be like, okay, this is how I feel about it. 
Usually when we're not doing this on the first weekend of the show's release, I've got enough time to see it twice, but I've only seen it once. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I blame you for wanting to talk about it this week. <laughs> hey, d- d- shout out to the listeners, and you should be thanking me because I'm the one that actually saw the movie on opening weekend for once. <laughs> and, right. Uh, I was this like, is no, how no, the show no, would no. be on a regular basis if Ben would just get to the movies on time. Yeah, exactly. So, and you were like, well, you know, what if we talked about this or talked about this? And I'm like, come on, dude. We rarely ever are in this in sync. We have to take advantage of this. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. I just feel like I need to, I need to see it again so that I can give an even more proper review of mm. it. But this was... Absolutely. This this was a fun discussion, and there's some really fun lines. We talked about uh, uh, Ducky and Bunny, uh-huh. two two new additions, and uh, they they kind of almost jump in feet first, if you will, to this <laughs> franchise. You see what I did there? I, I saw. Clever. I heard what you did. I saw it. I thought. I thought that was clever. Um, but yeah, yeah, because of their their addition, um, that there was there was some really solid comedic relief, and uh, it was it was it was fun to listen to, and I think it would be cool to to hear them as well, uh, to just hear them talking about it instead of hearing me ramble on and on about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was it was funny to hear them. <laughs> yeah. So here so. here's here here's 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 a question for you. Did you prefer Ducky or did you prefer Bunny? Oh, I. It's funny they're 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 two different things because Ducky has all the attitude and and Bunny is kind of like this laid back dude. But uh, I'm have to go with Ducky. I love his I love his just he's he's a he's a fighter man. He's he's just giving it to everybody. He's way more scrappy than I was expecting him to be. <laughs> like a little stuffed duck. Having all that little, having all that compact attitude. The other thing is my most recent exposure to either Jordan Peele or Keegan Michael Key is when Keegan plays Joe, the elementary school teacher in Parks and Recreation. And oh he's, yeah, he he's he's very chill in that. And then in this one, he's got like so much attitude, like so so much attitude. <laughs> And so it's just a really interesting contrast. But that's enough talking about these two characters. Time to actually listen to them. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we present to you tonight's quote of the night. Hey, up here, Astro Boy. If you think you can just show up and take our top prize spot, you're wrong. Dead wrong. You don't understand. I'm trying to Cheat get... the system and get with a kid? Yeah, we know. No, I need... A to... child to shower you with unconditional love? Join the club, pal. Yeah, join the club. Come on, help me get out of here. Well, I'll help you. With my foot! Get him. <laughs> get him. Uh, Bunny, what are you doing? Hmm? I, I can't reach him. Help me out here, come on. Oh, sorry, Ducky, I'm not a mind reader, you know. What, what's not to understand? Hmm? You make me say it? What? With these tiny legs, I cannot reach without your help. Oh. All right? Okay? This is what I've been talking about, Bunny. You need to work on paying attention and your listening skills. Ha! <laughs> How you like that, cheetah? Huh? Wow! Yeah! <laughs> oh, oh, to infinity and my foot! To infinity and my foot! And my foot! 
And then Buzz reaches for his inner voice that tells him to uh, to suit up or something like that. And he just, like, presses the button and, like, closes his helmet on Ducky's foot. And he's like, ah, get that off of me! I do, I, I do love another great element that we never really touched on is the whole carnival element. And, like, I think the director, there's a great video on, on YouTube where the director kind of breaks down all, like, all the characters from the franchise. He talks about how, like, the the worst existence for a toy is kind of in the <laughs> in the carnival and kind of being won by a thing. And I love the scene at the end where they're like, they they anytime a kid comes up, they win, and everybody every every toy gets a home. But uh, which was really sweet. But this particular scene, just of course, some dude comes across Buzz. He's gonna you know zip tie him to a thing and make him a prize. And yeah, it you you, you, can, you kind of help can't help but feel sorry for him because they're you know that would be kind of a sorry existence. Have you seen that commercial of the? traveling carnival that's like part of the direct tv promotions or something like that perhaps i don't so direct direct tv has this new promotion that's like just okay is not okay oh yes yes and so they've got like tattoo artists and mechanics and stuff like that well their newest one their newest commercial is this carnival ride operator who's (laughs) seating the this this mother son duo that are like trying to go on the rides and they're like is this going to be safe and he's like i assembled it myself last night so it should be okay and they're like well, what if something happens and he's just like then we just move on to the next town is this ride safe assembled it myself last night i think i did an okay job just okay what if something bad happens we just moved to the next town that's literally what they do, man. That that's is cool. like th- that th- is that's literally that's, what they do. That is realistic. Like it's super realistic. That's too real. Like it, it's bad because those things are not like well put together. No, like, people have and been... those those parking lot tr- carnival, you know, traveling carnival type things. Those rides don't get inspected either. No, they do not. There, there, there's they. no there's no safety regulations on any of those things. So, yeah, you put them up overnight, and people ride the stuff, and then when you're ready to go, that same person is taking it down and taking it to the next town. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, you, you're putting your life in the hands of someone that does not give a crap. Yeah, if you <laughs> want to talk get, about get on the real... one like the one the one in the commercials, like the one that spins around, was it the Scrambler or something like that? Yeah. And it, like, swings you around, like... If the thing came loose, like it would kill like fifty people because like everyone standing around it would get crushed, <laughs> like yeah, and everyone on the much. ride would die. Pretty damn much. That's why I want no part of that. I am a season pass holder at Six Flags, and I will just go where the rides are safely inspected on a regular basis. Thank you very much. Yes, smart move. Okay, well enough of that then. Uh, let's, let's, uh, get, get, we're, we're getting close on time here. So let's go ahead and give a quick thank you to all of our patrons who help sponsor this, uh, this program. People like Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott. Uh, they help keep the lights on. They help pay for our subscription to Podbean, which is our, our, uh, primary hosting platform. 
That's where it goes to iTunes. That's where it goes from to get to Google Play, to CastBox, to all those places you can find this uh, episode on. The primary place you can find it is patron.podbean.com. Well, that's the patron spot. That's the patron site. If you want to just go to ipcpodcast.podbean.com, you'll find the patron button from there. Or you can just find our most recent episodes. You can find them there, and you can find them on the website of our partners over at StarWarsUnderworld.com. Absolutely. Uh, I thought I had it. I thought I had it. I was so close. And then I messed up. I thought I was going to actually say IPCPodcast.Podbean.com, and then I just looked at the show notes, and it said Patreon, and I was like, son of a gun, I said the wrong link. <laughs> they get it. They hear it every week. They, they, they got the links. They're memorized. I hope so. Maybe I don't have to repeat it, but we haven't had any new patrons in a while, so maybe they're not listening this far in. Maybe we need to do that promo somewhere in the middle of the show or something maybe. so that people actually listen to it. But please, we're looking at continuing this broadcasting on Facebook Live, but it costs about five bucks a month. And the highest level you can be as a patron is five bucks a month, U.S. dollars. So if you want to sponsor this new broadcasting extension we've got on Facebook Live, go find us there at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. There, I said it. There you go. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Well, there is one other element that we got to tend to before we call it a night, and it's an element that uh, has stood the test of time. You should be aware of what's coming up and what's going on. Uh, ben, if you could uh, lead us in after the music plays, I'd appreciate it, because this is the one piece of music that I forgot to put in on my end. Oh, okay. No problem. No problem. Yeah, we're, we're, co- we're coordinating here. we got two different productions here. Facebook yeah, we do. and Channel 1138. But, yeah, uh, we do. Yeah, I'll take over. So, so you guys on Facebook, you'll hear a bit of silence. There'll be a little bit of a pause here. I apologize. I, I got everything else put together, but this was the one thing I didn't get. But it's okay. Because I, I during- think we did pretty good so far. During this interlude, you can go to social media and find this hashtag. Put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. You can go to channel1138.com if you want to and put it in the chat with all the other people who are listening live. But regardless, get out your hashtags, folks, because it is time for one of my favorite segments of the entire program. And, of course, we save the best for last, obviously. Mm -hmm. It is time, one more time, for hashtag barbecue watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. Oh, that was really intimidating, and I had my volume up a little too loud for that. (laughs) So, this one kind of stems from one of the destinations that we've got in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't don't know if this is something that you do when you're traveling, Ben, but I'm, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on trying to have a barbecue or like a barbecue cookout or something like that. At an RV park. Yeah, because you, you, you do... Some RV parks can be nice. I've never actually... It's funny, I've never actually traveled via RV. Never done it. I, I, I've done like a pop-up camper trailer before, but that didn't really go so well because it was November and it was like 30 degrees at night. 
And so after that, my mom was like, yeah, the only camping I'm going to do from here on out is if it's in a La Quinta. <laughs> hey, I get it. I get it. And, um, but yeah, you, you, some of, I mean, I've been to RV parks before. I've been to campgrounds. Some of them can be pretty nice. Others, not so nice. Like you have right. the kind of the standard like grills that come with the thing. Like some of it's not very good. But it's probably uh, like usually just like a pit, and you just put your own charcoal in it or something like that. Right, right. But then I've seen other people who have really fancy RVs. Like this is the this is the comparison and contrast from when I went camping. This is like one of the few things I remember. I remember the the location that we were in. I remember that there were only two beds, so I had to share the bed with my brother and sister, which was really weird. But because it was cold outside, the body warmth, like, balanced everything out. But the other element I remember was we were parked next to this family that had a really nice camper RV. And they had, like, a gas grill, and they were cooking hamburgers and stuff like that. And it looked really nice, and it smelled really nice. Meanwhile, our campground, just, like, 30, 40 feet away... We had this tiny little fire going because all the wood was wet. And uh-huh. so it, it wasn't taken very well. And we brought hot dogs because we thought it would be cool to, like, shish kebab skewer the hot dogs and put them over an open fire and cook them that way. Problem was the open fire was about only two inches open. Uh, wasn't oh wasn't a very big fire. So it felt like one of those sad, like... I don't know, rom-com kind of things where you see the lonesome person staring off distantly at the happy people not too far away from them. There's laughter, there's music, there's, you know, burgers and plenty of ketchup to go around. Meanwhile, we're just trying to make sure that we're not eating raw hot dog. (laughs) So bad. I, I, I kind of saw like both ends of it that night and I, I, I realized that RV parks really can sometimes be all they're cracked up to be and sometimes not. If you really want to get a funny experience with RVs, watch the Robin Williams movie, RV. Oh, man. Yeah, I have heard about that movie for so long, and I want to see it. It's really awkward, but it's also really funny. Awkward? It, well, okay, because... There's like certain scenes that are just kind of weird. I don't know how mm. else to put it. I really, I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, <laughs> I, it like there's one sequence where he rents the RV, and just before they're about to leave, they find out that the toilet's backed up, and it turns out to be droppings from uh, somebody who rented it previously. Oh boy. And it it just it wasn't yeah it was bad, <laughs> so they kind of goes into some some interesting territory with that. Yeah, but Robin Williams is funny as always. You've got Jeff Daniels and Kristen Chenoweth making little appearances, and then here's the best part: they they got two kids. The youngest one is like a high school aged person named uh, Carl. Carl is played by Peta himself, Josh Hutcherson. Oh my goodness. And this is pre-Hunger Games, right? This is very pre-Hunger Games. This is 2006 pre-Hunger Games. Dang. 
So if you want to get a taste of RV life, you can get some of it in Toy Story 4, but I would suggest Robin Williams' movie, RV. Check it out. It's it, it's one of those... It, it's got some great traditional comedy, but it's also got like some cringe comedy to it as well, which is pretty entertaining. Yeah, some comedies just go that direction sometimes. you got to look past it, I suppose. Uh, look past it, look under it, look around it, however you want to do it. But... <laughs> It's yeah. all it's all pretty fun. It's all in good fun in the end. Of uh, course. Speaking of the end, though, speaking of the end, I do think we need to uh, put an end to this podcast episode, my friend. So yep. in the meantime, between uh, this episode and the next, where can the folks at home keep up with you? Well, they can keep up with me personally at Ben Hart with no E. Yes, I occasionally when I... Uh, walk out of movies and I've uh, just got done crying my eyes out because Pixar decided that they wanted to hurt me emotionally um, I will go to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Ben Hart with Noe and give my initial impressions so check out for that also a lot of other dumb stuff in between that I just comes out of my head um, and also um, check out StarWarsWorld.com which is I mean pretty much everything I do on the internet ends up there including this podcast. So if you want your <laughs> Star Wars news, you want your IPC, whatever, it's all there. It's it's all it's all it's all really good content too. Just putting that out there. Like y'all did if I don't y'all, say y'all, so myself. Y'all well y'all just did an article about, you know, Diego Luna reprising his role as Cassian Andor and mm-hmm. that's that that's one thing that I've been kind of concerned about and so you know, having that information there was really nice to have. So go go check them out. Starwarsunderworld.com all the news, rumors, interviews, casting announcements, release dates, everything can be found there. And all of our episodes can be found on ipcpodcast.podbean.com and our swag can be found on tpublic.com slash user slash ipcpodcast. Uh, if you want t-shirts, if you want stickers for your laptop, if you want tote bags, coffee mugs, you name it, we've got it over at that TeePublic site, tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. I'd say about 30% of everything that you put into it goes right back to helping take care of IPC. Plus, you get some pretty awesome swag in the in the process as well. Yeah, some stuff you can't get anywhere else. Oh, it's quite exclusive, literally. Exclusive, exclusive. Quite literally exclusive content. You won't find it anywhere else. Uh, but speaking of exclusive content, you will be able to find a brand new episode of the IPC Podcast broadcasting live on channel1138.com next week, as well as on Facebook Live. Hopefully it's well received. Hopefully it goes into our uh, our database there and you can listen to it throughout the week. Uh, and we'll try again next week to see how it goes. But for now, I think we're going to put this one and probably put myself to bed. Episode 244. Wow, we're only a few weeks away from episode 250. That is crazy. Dang. Episode 244 of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast is now officially in the books. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. One must let go of the past to hold on to the future. We hope to see all you listeners in the future next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.
trash.